Let's take our Bibles and turn to the book of Psalms. Psalms chapter, Psalms chapter number 52. Psalms chapter 52. And then put a bookmark there or a ribbon or your cell phone there, something. And we're going to begin here in just a moment, though, in the book of 1 Samuel chapter number 21. Psalms chapter 52, we're going to, that's actually going to be our text, but we're going to give a, an introduction or, or some context in 1 Samuel chapter, beginning at chapter number 21. Uh, hey, it's, it's, if you were here Wednesday night, um, it's, it is awesome. Of course, Wednesday nights we have our youth activities um, in the fellowship hall and downstairs, and they, they hear the word, they get to hear about the word, hear the gospel. Um, and then uh, get to eat and, and play, have a good time of fellowship. All of that is important. Number one, the word is important. But the fellowship's important. The friendships that are made are important. Um, it connects you to your church. And many of us, I can say this, I'm thankful for the, the youth department I grew up under, thankful for people that cared about me, Diane, and all the people that helped her. That, that made a huge impact on my life. And that facilitated hearing the Word of God, but it also facilitated being around a group of young people that uh, I became friends with, lifelong friends with them. And uh, that, that is important. That rooted me in, in this church. So pray about that. We want that program, that ministry, we want it to continue to roll on that way. We want to hold another generation to experience that, to be Know Jesus as Savior and get rooted in their local church because, remember, a church isn't a place. A church is people. So they're making re- spiritual relationships with people. So, uh, but, but also Wednesday night, we, we have a, we, we're attempting to have a real prayer meeting. And it's just that. First thing, we, we, sing, we, we sing a hymn. We, we have the last few weeks. We sing a hymn first, and then uh, we offer prayer of thanksgiving for any, any prayers that God has answered the past week. We want to first give thanks, and uh, after that we begin to pray specifically. And if you've never been there, I want to encourage you to come, and I also want to be honest with you, um, you're going to come into a room where you don't think much is happening, honestly, probably. And I think that's why prayer is, is, is often taught and preached about, but rarely really practiced in our lives. Because prayer is work a lot of times. It is. It, it, is a, it is a spiritual task. It is. And I know we all spiritualize it. You know, we say, well, you know, I, uh, I enjoy praying for two hours. I, I really want something. I want what you got, if that's true. Okay. There are moments when prayer is, I would describe it as spiritual ecstasy. I will admit it. But a lot of times prayer, prayer is a, it is a spiritual responsibility that, that you must deny yourself to participate in it. And deny yourself means you're telling your flesh, your mind, your body, no, I'm not seeking comfort, ease, I'm denying that, and I'm going to do this. So I, I, want, I, want, I want to grow close to Christ, etc., etc. So prayer, is, prayer is, a, is, a, is a spiritual work oftentimes, amen? And I know, I'm, I'm, you all know, you know that. So if you come on Wednesday, most, sometimes it's like that. Most times it's like that. But what is awesome about it, and, I, and I've learned this through, through this, us having a prayer meeting, is that we pray and ask God something, 
according to his will. And the real goal is, is we want to gather to pray to advance his kingdom. We want, we want people to hear the gospel. We want the word to be received. We want faith to be applied to Christ and then be born again. We want, our, we want our church to grow, to glorify Jesus. We want Christianity to be relevant. So when someone comes here, not that church is Christianity so much, but when somebody gathers here with us, they can say, wow, there, God, is, God is there, God is moving, God is working, etc. But what's really cool is, and we've seen it this morning if you, if you paid attention to our prayer meeting Wednesday night, is we prayed for something specific that hadn't happened in weeks. And this morning, God answered it. And we prayed that God would do it today. And He did it today. Amen? And to Him be the glory and the praise forevermore. Amen? And what is wonderful about that is, is that it glorifies God because He hears and He answers prayer. Amen? And I was even thinking Saturday that we prayed for this morning's service. And a lot of times I might not even notice what God has done. But I now, because I, sometimes God does things and I, we might not find out till three weeks later in a service. But what I find awesome is since we prayed Wednesday, I was thinking yesterday that I go to church this morning with some confidence. Because we prayed in Jesus' name for God to do something through His name according to His will. And I have confidence even right now that God is going to do something today. Amen? And that's what's great about that. Is, is Sunday morning, Sunday night is becoming more interesting because our church is bathing it in prayer, among other things. Amen? So I just want to share that with you. To God be the glory. Amen? Amen. Praise His name. Also, there's, a, it, there's some tracks in the vestibule, and they're really nice icebreakers to share the gospel, especially with a stranger. I know close friends sometimes are a little bit trickier in family. Um, maybe a conversation, God help you break the ice. But just a gospel track, this can even help. Hey, I want to share this with you. I would encourage you to grab one and uh, try to set a goal. I'm going to share my faith. I'm going to talk to somebody about the gospel of Jesus Christ. And who knows what God can do? Amen? Who knows? So they're available to you. All right, Psalms chapter 52. This psalm is in response to an event. And we're, we're going to look at that event here just, just in a second. But if your Bible, it, in the Psalms, you can find out what the Psalms is about. The, the, uh, the historical context of what was taking place when a Psalm was written. And in Psalms 52, this, this Psalm was written in response to an event. When, when Doag the Edomite, you ever heard of that name? Doag the Edomite. Maybe you haven't. It's an interesting account. But David writes this psalm when Doag the Edomite did something terrible, terrible in Israel. And let's find out what he did. And then we're going to go back to Psalms chapter 52. In 1 Samuel chapter number 21, 1 Samuel chapter number 21, we, we have a story. And the, the, the context here is, is, when, is when David is fleeing from Saul. Saul is having one of his paranoia uh, episodes. Saul is eating, is eating up with jealousy. He is, he is paranoid, and, and he he's already knows there's another king coming, but it's not going to be his family, so he's even more paranoid. He's, he's, he's being led by a wicked spirit, and... David is 
excuse me, Saul is attempting to kill, arrest, and harm David. So David runs from Saul. And David runs to a city in chapter, in chapter number 21 called Nob. And Nob is where the tabernacle is. And so David runs to the tabernacle. He runs to church. Amen. That's a good place to run to, isn't it? Run to church when you're in trouble. So David thought, well, I'm, I'm gonna, maybe somebody can help me there. And there's a priest there by the name Ahimelech. And Ahimelech helps David. And he's running from Saul. So, so David needs some bread and he needs a weapon. So David asked Ahimelech, can I have this bread under his arm? But the problem is that bread was, was the shoe bread. It was, it was, it was uh, bread that's been sanctified it's be, to be offered before the Lord. But, uh, but Ahimelech gives it to David and helps him so he can have some food. And he also gives him the sword of Goliath. So David now has bread from Ahimelech and he has the sword from Ahimelech. But if you look at verse number 7, there's another man there who notices that Ahimelech helped David, which is Saul's enemy. And in verse number 7, it says, Now a certain man of the servants of Saul was there that day, detained before the Lord. What that means, maybe he's there for cleansing. Maybe it's the Sabbath day and he can't travel any farther, so he stops there. Maybe he's doing something for Saul. We don't know, but he's there. And his name was Doeg, an Edomite. Now, he's the chiefest of the herdmen that belonged to Saul. Now, the story goes on, and David runs, and he goes, and he flees to, to, to Achish, the king of Gath, and Saul finds out about it. And Saul, remember, he hates David. So Saul finds out that David had ran away, and he knows now he's, 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 he's at... He's, at, he's with Achish, the king of Gath, and Saul's really upset about it. He's really angry. And so in chapter number 22, Saul gathers all of his men. And Saul gathers all of his men, and in verse number 7, listen how, listen how whiny he is. He says, Then Saul said unto his servants that stood about him, Hear now, ye Benjamites, will the son of Jesse give every one of you fields and vineyards and make all of you captains of thousands and captains of hundreds? So Saul's men are reluctant to turn David in. In verse number 8, he says, that all of you have conspired against me, and there is none that showeth me that my son hath made a league with the son of Jesse. So Saul's upset that David and Jonathan are friends. He says, in verse 8, and there is none of you that is sorry for me. What a baby, amen. Isn't, doesn't anybody feel sorry for me? And showeth unto me that my son hath stirred up my servant against me to lie in wait at this day. So Saul's like, isn't anybody, why didn't anybody tell me where David was? Why aren't you helping me find David? Why have you turned your back on me? But look at verse number 9. Then answered Doag, the Edomite. Now remember in chapter 21, verse 7, Doag, the Edomite, was there, and he saw Ahimelech give David bread, and he saw Ahimelech give David the sword of Goliath. And then answered Doag, the Edomite, which was said over the servants of Saul and said, I saw the son of Jesse coming to Nob to Ahimelech, the son of, of Ahitub, and he inquired of the Lord for him and gave him victuals and gave him the sword of Goliath the Philistine. Now why would, why, would, 
Why would Doag the Edomite rat David out like that? Because what Saul said in verse 7, he says, Don't you know, don't you know that Jesse, the father of David, he can't give you fields and vineyards? David and Jesse, they can't make you captains of thousands and captains of hundreds. So Edomite, so, so Doag the Edomite, he is what? He's thinking about himself here. He's thinking, if I rat David out, I can advance. If I rat David out, I can be wealthy. He only cares about his own interest. He only cares about himself. He only is looking out for him. So then, unfortunately, if we skip ahead in chapter number 22, Saul calls for Ahimelech. And all of Ahimelech's family. So Ahimelech, in verse 11, they go and he brings his whole house. And they leave Nob and they go to the king. And the Saul asks Ahimelech, did you help David? And he's like, yeah, I helped David. Why'd you do this? And Ahimelech says, I mean, David's he's faithful, he's good, I can trust him, I helped him. And Saul said, you turned your back on me. And Ahimelech, he didn't know what was going on. He's like, I did not, I did not. And guess what Saul says, the paranoid, jealous king who's so jealous of David wants to kill him, he orders Ahimelech to death and all his family. And so Saul says, kill Ahimelech. And none of the servants of Saul would do it. Why? That's the priest. That's the, that's, it's, the, it's the priest of God. And why would they lay their hand on God's anointed? So Saul says, I want you to kill them all. And none of Saul's Servants would do it, except, you guessed it, look at verse 18. And the king said to Doag, Turn thou and fall upon the priest. And Doag the Edomite turned, and he fell upon the priest, and he slew on that day fourscore and five persons that did wear a linen ephod. That is 85 people. And he did it for advancement. And he did it for land, and he did it for prestige, and, he, and he's an Edomite too. He doesn't care about Israel. He doesn't care about God. He is out for himself. He's probably a traitor against his own people. He's from Edom. Why is he helping the king of Israel? They're even at war right now. And he is traded his country, and he killed 85 people, 85 priests of God. And not only that, look at verse 19. And Nob, the city of the priests, smote he with the edge of the sword, both men and women and children and sucklings, babies and oxen and asses and sheep with the edge of the sword. So Edomite, excuse me, Doag the Edomite is a mass murderer. Don't think about the... the Think about what happened. He killed 85 people. And then the whole town of the city of Nob, he killed babies and grandparents and aunts and uncles and dogs and cats and, and parakeets and anything that was alive. He killed it to please Saul for self-advancement and self-gain. He is a mass-murdering maniac. He's insane, and he's doing it all for himself. Now let's turn back to Psalms 52. So in response to this event, 
David writes down this psalm. Now what's interesting about this story is Doag the Edomite, best we can tell scripturally, never was held accountable for his crimes. He committed crimes, didn't he? He killed 85 preachers. And family, their families in the city of Nob, they related all these people, and kids and, and donkeys and oxen. He wiped out everything that lived just so he'd look good in Saul's eyes. He cares only about himself. And he was never held accountable on earth. You ever wonder about that? Don't it seem like that some, sometimes people get away with stuff? You ever wonder that something awful happens? And you ask yourself, where is God? You ever said that? Where are you, God? How could you let this happen? Some mass murdering school shooter goes into a school and you think, God, why could you let this happen? I wonder that, don't you? I sure do. But I trust in God's goodness and God's sovereignty and God's wisdom and God's omnipotence and God's omniscience that His thoughts are higher than my thoughts and His ways are higher than my ways. But exactly right, because His ways are higher than my ways, I'll admit though, I do not understand why some things happen. Don't you? I don't understand that. If you were living in this age, you would say he killed 85 priests and the whole city of Nob and only one man escaped to tell David what happened. You and I would be, have a prayer meeting about what took place down the road, wouldn't we? This is a major, historical, memorable event. You will always remember that if you lived back then. What Doag the Edomite did. And then we'd be saying that he got away with it too. And then we'd be talking amongst ourselves that he was never punished for it. We'd be saying that ain't right, wouldn't we? We'd say nobody ever held him accountable to this. He got away with it. But did he? Psalms 52 verse 1. David talks about Doag the Edomite. He says, why boastest thyself in mischief? What is David saying? He's mocking him. Remember, this this is in response to Doag's crimes. Why boastest thyself in mischief? It's interesting, he doesn't say, why did you murder all these people? David doesn't ask that. He, doesn't, he says, why are you boasting thyself in mischief? Why are you bragging, Doeg? Why do you think that no one can punish you? Why do you think, Doeg, that you're above the law? You think you got away with this? This is what David's saying. He says, oh mighty man. It's, he's mocking him. That's a phrase reserved to warriors. David's mighty men comes to mind. You mighty man, Doag, you killed babies that were nursing. You, you, killed, you, you killed priests that come unarmed. You mighty man. You think you got away with this? See, Doag must be bragging. Doag possibly is saying, I got away with it. Look what I did. And David is saying, you think you're really going to get away with it? Hey, let me stop right here for a moment and say this in warning. You will never get away with anything. You won't. Now, thank God for His grace. Your sin must be punished. It's either you, it's either you, or, or it's in the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. But every sin has to be dealt with. 
And you might think, I'm going to get away with this. I don't need Christ. I don't need God's mercy. Nothing bad is happening to me. I've had a good life since all of my sowing wild oats in the past. I did a lot of bad things, but all you Christian people, you, you, there's, I've gotten away with it. I am going to get away with it. Nothing, as a matter of fact, I've gotten wealthy off of it. I will not get away with it. And don't you, don't, that bugs me sometimes. Like all the open, boasting sinners seem to have it made sometimes. You ever notice that? They're getting away with it, aren't they? I don't think so. I don't think so. Because David says, the goodness of God endureth continually. What does he mean by that? Because God is so good, Doag, you will not get away with it. Because God would be unjust, wouldn't He, if He let Doag get away with killing babies as they nurse. Yeah, we could then say, there is no God, there is no justice, there is no goodness, because God is allowing this to take place. And David says, you boasting yourself in mischief, you mighty man, the goodness of God can, can endureth continually. You know why sin will not go unpunished or undealt with? Because God is so good. His holiness will not allow it. We can rest in the goodness of God and we can have confidence in knowing that every atrocity in life that's ever been performed or will be performed, the goodness of God in His justice will not allow it to go unnoticed. Because God is good. Look at verse number 2. Verses 2 through 4, David is describing Doag. He says, Thy tongue devises mischief like a sharp razor working deceitfully. Thou lovest evil more than good, Doag. You love it, don't you? Now remember, David is talking about Doag boasting about it. It's, it's reminding me of Isaiah, where Isaiah sees the devil and he saw him. He saw him, and Jesus references himself in the prophecy I saw Satan fall from heaven. Remember what the devil said? I shall be like the Most High. I shall ascend my throne higher than the heavens. His boast, he thinks he's going to get away with it. It's the attitude of his heart. Thy tongue devises mischief like a sharp razor working deceitfully. Verse 3. Thou lovest evil more than good, and lying rather than to speak righteousness. Thou lovest all devouring words, O thou deceitful tongue. But look at verse number 5. We forget that we are eternal creatures. And people think in this life they've gotten away with it because they are ignorant of the fact that they are eternal they're ignorant of this fact that they will live on eternally. You think you've gotten away with it, Doag, but you forget you are an eternal soul. Look at verse 5. And God shall likewise destroy thee forever. Forever. Doag, you mock, you boast, you brag. But you forget, you might have gotten away with it in this life, but God shall likewise destroy thee forever. Look at how descriptive it is. He shall take thee away, Doag. 
He shall take thee away and pluck thee out of thy dwelling place and root thee out of the land of the living. See, law. Doag, you're forgetting something. You might go unnoticed, unpunished in this earthly life, but you are failing to realize and recognize that your existence is eternal and you will not escape the goodness of God one day. You won't. You don't get away with anything. Amen. Now, if you're in Christ, then praise God, He bore your iniquities on the tree. Amen? And it's not like you got, nobody got away with it. He took your punishment upon Himself. But especially today, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, please do not be ignorant of this fact that you will go on forever. Your life is not just on earth. Your existence is not just birth and death on this planet. Doag, God shall destroy thee forever. He will, he'll take thee away. He'll pluck thee out of thy dwelling place and root thee out of the land of the living. Look at verse 6. And the righteous shall see and fear and shall laugh at him. <laughs> Look at Doag now. Look at his boasting mouth now. Did he get away with it? No. You are, you are in verse number 5. You are being destroyed forever, Doag. You, you, uh, you did it. Yeah, you advanced in this life, but look at you now. Listen, I would rather have Jesus than, I'm going to quote it again, than silver or gold, wouldn't you? I'd rather have Jesus than riches untold. I'd rather have Jesus than worldwide fame. I'd rather have Jesus than anything. Amen? Stop focusing that this earthly life, skin, hair, is your eternity. It's not... This is a blip on the line graph of eternity. And whether you live 30 years or 90 years or one year or 100 years compared to eternity, imagine with me, if you will, your existence will go on and on and on and on and on and on into infinity. And we have this, this, this just little bitty blip on the line graph of eternity to receive Christ as our Savior or to be eternally lost forever and ever and ever. You're not going to get away with it, Doag the Edomite. You boast and brag, thou mighty man. You will not escape the goodness of God. You say, how can God be good in that? Because God would be wicked if Doag got away with it. Doags never get away with it. Never. I take confidence in that, don't you? There's a lot of secret molesters that never get caught and never repent and they think they've gotten away with it. But listen, they will never, ever, ever get away with it. Ever. There's a lot of rapists who think they've gotten away with it and they never repent. There's only one escape and it's in this life and it's Jesus. We think, I'm going to get away with it. Listen, 
surely, and this is, God, help us to be right with you. Your sins will find you out. And even on the other side of eternity, verse number 7, Lo, this is the man. This is Doeg the Edomite. (laughs) That's him. That's crazy, ain't it? In Isaiah, the Bible says when the devil is finally destroyed and stricken, that all the nations will gather up around him, those who know Jesus, and they'll say, this is the guy who deceived the nations. This is the one who stirred up so much wickedness. Because if you compare him to the goodness of God, that's him. That's the guy. You outlaws, you think you can get away with it, but compared to the goodness of God, that's you. You're so small and tiny, you boastful bragger. You will not get away with it. You won't. There's an atheist. His last name is, I think it's Richard Dawkins. What a blaspheming mocker he is. He denies our Christ and denies our Savior and and leads millions of young people away by his eloquent atheistic reasoning. He's a far more eternal mass murderer than Doag the Edomite ever could accomplish in his life. He makes open rebuke and mockery of our Lord and Savior. He speaks in such a silver tongue that it's almost hypnotic to those who don't know the truth. And he's leading millions away. Just him, for example. And I listened to him the other day and I thought in my mind, you will not get away with it. One of these days, I'll say, you're the one. You're the one. You doag the Edomite. Verse 7, this is the man that made not God his strength. This is the guy, but trusted in the abundance of his riches. It's the idea that that, that Doag got rich by his atrocity. He trusted in the abundance of his riches and he strengthened himself in his his wickedness. What does that mean? This is so applicable. He strengthened himself in his wickedness. It means he trusted in his power to manipulate and destroy other people to make it. That's what it means. He trusted in his sinfulness to get away with it. Maybe it's this. Maybe. I kill all the priests of Nob. And to make sure I get away with it, I'm going to kill everybody that lives in Nob. He's increasing his earthly security by his wickedness. I'm going to make sure that little Ahimelech don't grow up and take vengeance on little Doag, the next Edomite. So I'm going to destroy them all. I'm going to go so wicked, I'm going to go so far, that I'm going to become untouchable on earth. I'm going to be strengthened by my iniquities. I'm going to carry on and grow and grow and grow where I'll become powerful because of my wickedness. But again, even today if that's your plan, or maybe this is a hedge against that, that you don't know what's coming down the road, you will not get away with it. You won't. Look at verse 8 and 9. I'm about through But David speaks of himself. Now David's probably in a cave if if, if it's written right afterwards. Because he's dwelling in the caves and he's running for his life. And if you look at David compared to Doag the Edomite, 
I don't know what Saul gave him. I know he had an abundance of riches because of verse number 7. I know he seemed, seemed to get away with it. David's in a cave. I don't know, David's maybe eating grubs. I don't know what he's eating. He's not eating Chick-fil-A, okay? He's, he comes to the, to the tabernacle in Nob, and even Ahimelech notices he seems disheveled. He's not well kept. He seems tired and hungry. He don't even have bread to eat. Look at the comparison between David and Noab, Noab the Edomite. Doag the Edomite. And David says, but I'm like a green olive tree in the house of God. What's he saying? I'm going to live. I'm going to live abundantly. And I'm going to live forever. I will make it and Doag won't. I'd rather have a relationship to Jesus Christ than any prophet this world can give me. That's the application here. I'd rather be a pauper in the kingdom of God than to be a rich man in the kingdom of the devil. That's the application here. I would rather suffer with the people of God like Moses did. This is, I'm, when I say I, I'm speaking us, that we should be like Moses, choosing rather to suffer the affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the riches of sin for a season. By faith, Moses forsook Egypt because he would rather have God than the riches that Saul could give him. Because you will not get away with it. You won't. Verse 8. I'm like a green olive tree in the house of God. I trust in the mercy of God forever and ever. David said, you know what? I might be muddy. I got dirt, dirt between my toes and I'm eating this, this shoe bread that's been out on the table for over a week, maybe a week, a few days now. And I'm cold and I can barely get a fire going. You know, I'm just speculating here. You get the imagery. You know what though? David says, yeah, but I didn't kill 85 priests. <laughs> and praise God, I didn't kill a baby nursing in the city of Nob. I didn't wreck families. I, I, would, I would rather trust in the mercy of God forever and ever and ever, wouldn't you? Then to be what? Verse 5 for, for Doag, God shall destroy thee forever. The contrast here, David says, I would rather trust in the mercy of God forever and ever, but Doag, he did what? Trusted, verse 7, in the abundance of his riches. But who's rich? David is. Doag's poor. He's a pauper now. He fared sumptuously, and Lazarus had the dogs lick his wounds. But now Doag is suffering in hell forever and ever, and David is trusting in the mercy of God forever. Broad is the way that leads unto destruction, and many there be that go in therein. But narrow is the way, and straight is the gate that leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. You know why there's few? Because there's a lot of doags who rather have the riches that come from Saul at the expense and the loss of their own soul. They'd rather play now, and they will pay later. But David paid now, and he gets to play later. David took up his cross, denied himself, and followed after Jesus. And Doag said, I'm not carrying a cross. I want my crown now. But you're all right. If you want your crown now without suffering, you'll never have one. But if you'll suffer now, those who suffer with him will one day reign with him. Amen? David said, Doag is destroyed, plucked up forever but I'll trust in the mercy of God forever and ever. 
Listen, I don't know what you're facing in your life right now, and you might think that it's unfair, but I would rather be like David and suffer in a cold, wet cave, knowing that I'm resting in the mercies of God forever and ever, than get rich off some atrocity, wouldn't you? So right now you might be in your little cave, but that's okay. Because you're a winner either way. Right? If you go or if you stay, I'd rather be David, wouldn't you? No friends, running for my life, but be right with God. I'd rather sleep good at night, wouldn't you? And be right with God than to make life better by forsaking His goodness and His mercy. Verse 9, I will praise thee forever. You picture David now, he's in a cave, he said, Amen. I can praise the Lord in a cave, can't you? He's still good, and you know why? Because I, if you trust in Jesus, you will live with Him forever in His kingdom. And you're just in a little cave right now. Remember the line graph we imagine. Your little life is like a dot, but the line graph of eternity goes on forevermore. Yeah, be in a cave and suffer for righteousness' sake, because that compared to the line that it represents eternity, I just want to be with Jesus, don't you? I just want to know that I know Him. And this is the opportunity in this life to make sure you know Him. I'll praise Thee forever because Thou hast done it. What? He did not get away with it. And God is good, and God is right, and God is righteous. And I will wait on Thy name, for it is good before Thy saints. Amen? I'll admit... Friday, yesterday, I was thinking, I'm going to preach about Doag, the Edomite. I've never even heard a sermon about Doag, the Edomite, in my life. I never had, maybe you have, I haven't. Or maybe I wasn't paying attention. Sadly, I spent many years not paying attention. Sadly. I was doing what I want to do for self-interest. Maybe you're here today, you're like that. You know, self-interest starts with insignificant behaviors. But if you're not careful and if your life becomes only about you, you'll become Doag the Edomite later on. And you'll trade God and truth and righteousness for your self-interest because you'll be like Doag, you'll become a little God and you'll become God with a little G instead of God with a big G. And you'll do whatever it takes to make sure your interest is advanced. Doag didn't, he wasn't this way at 11 years old but the symptoms were there. I thought, why, God, am I going to preach a sermon about Doag the Enumite? First of all, because that's the Word of God. Amen? And we've got to preach the whole counsel of God. And it can't be John 3.16 every Sunday. But maybe in the wisdom of God, it's this. You've got the symptoms of Doag. Hey, listen to me carefully. Repent. Because you will not get away with it. It will destroy you and it will ruin the lives of the people around you. Eighty-five priests died and the whole city of Nob died for the self-interest of Doag the Edomite. I want to say this, hey, this life ain't about you. Really, the story's about God, isn't it? How that God oversaw the whole affair and Doag the Edomite got away with it until it's appointed a man once to die, and after this, the judgment. 
It's really about the Lord and two men's relationship with Him. David shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. But even right now, there is a man by the name of Doag now. He's from Edom. He's an Edomite. He exists right now as I speak. He is right now existing. Listen to me. He, it's not over for Doag the Edomite. There was a man named Doag that committed mass murder and he did not get away with it. And right now, as I speak, Doag the Edomite is suffering forever and ever and ever and ever right now. Right now. Doag's mistake was he failed to realize that he is an eternal creature. And he traded it all away for advancement and money. Let's learn from Doag. Amen? Let's stand to our feet. What song, Bryson? Amen. Amen. I have decided to follow Jesus. Amen. Amen. Amen.